G'day, my name is Yeshi and welcome to the fifth episode of Yeshi Interviews. Today, I will be interviewing Chris Engler, Katrina Station, WA. If you do not know where it is, I'm not surprised because there are no roads to it. I got there by meeting Chris at Kununurra and flying over in his light plane. Hear some sounds of us flying before you hear me and Chris start talking. Oh, Yoshi! And how are you, Gabriel? Hi, Chris. How are you? Alright, so we've got everybody strapped in. I'll close the door when we get the fan going. Yep. Strapped in. Alright, Was that your shot? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just watch those brake discs there, hot. Oh, yeah. Stand on there, stand on the wheel. I'll try to figure out how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too I get control on her. Hello. Nice to see you again. <laughs> oh, it's just growing. I'm nearly behind you. I know. <laughs> and how are you, Yoshi? Oh, good. Hi Chris, today I just wanted to ask you a few questions about how your living here and regenerating so how far up in the air can you fly your light plane our plane is allowed to fly up to 10,000 feet wow but we generally fly at about 4,000 four and a half thousand feet is what we normally fly at yeah we don't need, we don't have to fly very far mm. so we go up there, we fly for a while, and we go down again. If we wanted to go up to 10,000, we'd, we'd go up and get just get to 10,000, we have to start going down again. So it doesn't make sense to go too high if you're not going too far. Yeah. But, like, could you fly it to, like, how tall is that range? That range is at 2,000 feet. So could you fly up to the top of it? Oh, yes. Hmm. We fly way over the top, yeah. Hmm. Have to do that. So we fly. Could you fly to the clouds? These clouds here that we're looking at are probably about six thousand feet. Yeah, we can fly above them. But if I was going to fly into town today, I'd fly below them. Yeah, because you can't see where you're going if you're flying through a cloud. 
And you can't see the world below if you're flying on top of a cloud. Yeah, that's right. You, you want to see where you are. Because you don't want to be flying miles out of Canada. You want to know where you are, and the, and the best way to know where you are is if you can see the ground. Yeah. And it's also if something ever goes wrong, you can find a place to land, which if there's clouds down there, you don't know what's going to, you don't know, there might be a little mountain underneath. Mm, Who knows? Yeah. And if you don't see where you're going, so if the wheels are kind of in the cloud, there might be a little mountain in the cloud, and then you can easily scrape the wheels on the mountain, and you wouldn't want that to happen. No, you wouldn't want to be flying in clouds. No, not a good idea. And how do you feel after flying your plane? It's always a great feeling because you get to see everything from a different angle and um, yeah, you envy the birds. They can do it a bit quicker, we've got to start the plane, get everything ready, then we'll go up there, but it's once you're up there it's great and after you've been up there it's good too because you've just seen everything from a different yeah. angle. It's very pretty, you can yeah. see a lot further. Yeah. And do you like seeing things from a bird's eye view? Absolutely, yes, it just gives me another way of looking at things. Yeah. So you walk in the country and you can see it from the ground and then you fly over it and it just gives you that other mm, yes. dimension. And how's it like being in a place where, it's not, where there's no machine noise? I find that's great not having that background noise all the time. Yeah. It's taken, literally taken the noise out of my life. You have more time to think. Yeah. You don't feel like, you know, everything's busy all the time. Yeah, and I also like... When you have no machine noise and you can just only hear the native noise like the dock and the birds and the wind and, and the trucks and yeah. and you also hear the wind and you also hear the cows and the cow, cow yeah. and how are you regenerating this place? Well, we're using we're copying nature, nature. Before humans were as many as they are now, nature had a lot more abundance, and all the all the species, everything, everything had enough of what it needed. That was put there by nature. That nature captured the sunshine, so we had vegetation, getting the solar energy and making that available to the things in the ground, and the things in the ground made the ground fertile, and that created food for the things, for the herbivores, all the bigger plant eaters above the ground and the, herb, and the omnivores, and also they produced mm. nuts and mm. all sorts of fruit. So we, we saw nature did that. So we're gonna say, well, if it's done it before, it can do it again. So what yeah. we're doing is, is we're trying, we're using the same principles and we find it's the best tool that we can use is the energy of the animals because the energy of the animals comes from the grass. So it's actually solar energy, it's renewable energy. And we yeah. use the, the animals as gardeners in our landscape. They mulch, they mulch the plants, they spread fertilizer, which comes out of the tail end after they've eaten something. And they also prune the plants, so they're our gardeners. Yeah. And by being good gardeners, what they do is they, they, the mulch allows the rain that drops out of the sky to, to stay there instead of running off. So we, they're yeah. also our plumbers. Yeah, because like, if there's grass everywhere, the grass captures that rainwater and doesn't rain. let it go. But if it's just dirt, then it basically just, the water basically just runs off the top. 
it runs off the top or it leaches out the soils it or takes nutrients with it yeah. causes floods downstream but the other thing that the grass does it also collects energy yeah. and the, the, the healthier the grass the more energy can get and that energy gets put down into the soil to feed lots of little things in the soil and it also feeds the things that eat the grass so it's um, it's everybody wins if we make better use of our rainfall and our sunshine and the key to the regeneration the first key is, is just to try and hang on to more water and get get the country hydrated it's just like you or I it really doesn't matter how big we are how strong we are how smart or whatever if we don't get enough fluids after a few hours our performance drops quite dramatically and it's the same with the landscapes we yeah. need to you know, we need to get the hydration get these landscapes to rehydrate and that's the first step to regenerating is to make sure that hydration function works well and as as we rehydrate it well we get more more greenery we can have more animals and and the the, the motor of life on earth is biodiversity it's and then the fuel is biological motor running on renewable energy and that's yeah. that's what we consider to be the wealth that sustains families communities nations yes and how big is this place kachana is 775 square kilometers that's huge yes i've i need to find out how big it is in relation to singapore i think it's actually a little bit bigger than the state of singapore but i'm not sure on that i'll have to have well, check up my dad just he says it's bigger than Singapore. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But it's it? certainly it's it's more than just one family can manage, and and this is where it really doesn't matter how big it is. It's more what is the you know what, what can it do, and it and mm. it can capture a lot of rain and a lot of water, and I think that's probably more important is how much water can we capture and how quickly. And, and can we store it and then slowly let it release all throughout the year downstream and, and yeah. water for people beyond Kachana. So there's, there's a lot more to, to, to land management than just the size and it's back to rehydration and water. It's, it's making sure everybody's got enough water. So yeah. that's, that's probably our, our, our key um, mission and focus. Yes. So I'd have to, I'd have to, for another podcast, you can ask me about how much water is and I'll, I'll have to do my calculations, but we get a lot of water. So every square meter, where is kilometer, gets somewhere between 600 millimeters to over a meter of water. And that's, that, that, that gives us a lot of water. Yeah. If we can store that in our soils, it's available all year round. If we put it in dams, most of that evaporates. And if we don't put it in dams, most of it flows away now anyway. So this is where this is yeah. where we need the biology. Because now is when most people on bush blocks like this run out of water. Exactly. And we've still got flowing water because of the work we've done over the last 35 years. And you've still got flowing creeks mm. and full water holes. And, mm. and we want to have more and more of that. Yeah. Basically, you want to have enough water to last all year round until the next rain comes. Yes. Yes. And enough water so if there's a bad year with little rain, you still don't run out of water. Yeah. And so the best water tank is the soil, the land, the aquifers, the, the water, water holes. 
and the water holes that's where you then get it but the water holes get filled from the side from the soils from the aquifers yeah well like the water holes are basically a natural water capturing hole well actually the water holes shouldn't be capturing the water they are an indicator of whether there's enough water in our soils mm. so it's it's like when you drink the water your fluids get taken into your whole body and what you mm. don't need you can release in the form of urine or sweat and it's the same with our landscape what the mm. landscape doesn't need then starts filling up the water holes and then if there's too much even more then it'll start filling up flowing off in drainage lines so healthy waterways happen when the rain that drops out of the sky hits the ground gets distributed by grass and by mulch gets filtered through the soil profile and percolates through the soils filling up the water tables and then slowly filling up the, the water holes and then spilling out of the water holes into the drainage lines that's healthy yes. healthy um, water flow yeah. and if it's just filled through runoff well that's it's an unhealthy situation it's better than no water but it's not a healthy situation yeah so when rain comes if there's enough water in the soil it'll flow into the water holes and the water ho and if the water holes are full then that's a sign that we've got enough water in the soil it, yes we've got enough water in the soil but the other thing that happens is if the water holes are full and the soil is full and more water comes down it'll push the water deeper into the aquifers yes. into the into the underground reservoirs so there's some very old water like the artesian basins and and all sorts of much deeper reservoirs of, of water which we yes. need to fill up again especially where you've got um, communities where they pumping it up to supply towns or pumping it up for irrigation those water supplies need to be filled up as well yes and it's good how like you have one pipe going to somewhere and then the other pipe going to the water holes so actually emptying out the water holes for the next rain when the soil sends more water and then well we're just redistributing the water instead of just letting it flow down the creek which is the drainage line. We're also taking it into other areas and then putting it you know, in our garden and that's a, so it's, we're just mm. making more use, better use of the water that's come down anyway. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's gonna rain again and we might as well use the water that we've got instead of just keeping it in the tank. So you keep on renewing it. And then, mm. then this is where, you know, if you live in a place for a while, you get an idea how much there is and then you can be generous yeah. as, as, as you know how reliable your supply yeah. is you can be more generous with spreading it around can you turn the water that comes from the water hole on and off or is it just constant well our supply lines once once you start piping it well then you can, can turn it on and off but um, the stuff that's in the springs or in the water holes that's still spring fed so that's that's an indicator of how much water was gathered up in the hills during the wet season and um, so what we monitor there is how strong the, the, the spring flow is and how reliable it is and if we do our job right as custodians we will end up with more and more reliable stream flow once again it's it's a it's like um, with, with your hydration if you if, if you're a healthy person you don't need to be topping up 
water all the time as you go you can have a good drink before you go somewhere and then you can walk for a few hours and then you have another good drink but if you're not that yeah. healthy you've got to keep on topping up every half hour that's not too bad if you've got the water but if you haven't got the water it's, it's good if you're sort of healthy and you know, properly hydrated and then you can do more and it's the same with our landscape if you've got seasonal rain you've got to try and manage the thirsty periods yes and do you have the electric fences boundary like going all around the cow paddock? We have the electric fences to keep the cattle where they where we want them when we want them. And it's we could you know if we if we had stockmen with horses or, or stockmen with dogs, we wouldn't need any fences at all. We could just we could just herd them. But in the absence of enough people, what we do is we use electric fences. They're quick to put up and they're quick to put down, and they can and that way we can decide where our gardeners do their work. Yeah. Gardeners being the, the cattle yeah. and the donkeys. That was Chris Engler at Katrina Station WA. Thanks, Chris, for taking us out there and doing this podcast with me. Thanks for listening and I hope you liked this episode.